Hey everyone, I'm Alex Cantor. And I'm Lily Rosenthal. Welcome to our podcast, Hot Pastrami. We are coming to you from our favorite booth at Cantor's Deli here in LA. We're going to invite some of our friends to join us for a chat over some matzo ball soup and pastrami sandwiches. So join us for new episodes of Hot Pastrami every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. Bye. Welcome to the Gabby Reese Show. It's all an experiment. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show. I'm going to do a solo podcast, maybe just sort of reevaluating what this year is going to look like and maybe my hopes for 2022, as I know we're all maybe looking to turn a page. It's interesting. It's, it's one of these things where it's like, be where you are and be grateful for where you are. But I, I can honestly say that I, I would, I'm feeling optimistic and hopeful about this new year. I just grabbed a bunch of comments and questions from you all and we'll kind of go down on them. My, my podcasts are typically, you know, they're a little deeper and they run more complex. I'll try to keep this shorter on each of these topics. Um, I'll start with creating community. I... One of the things that I and Laird and I have done very, I think it's been conscious is wherever we are, we create a community, but around that community is a lot of times people will gather and, and this is important too, right? You're, you're gathering around food and celebration. But I think one of the things that has helped us is that we've created community around movement and that time that we are trying to dedicate to that. Because I think most of us are busy with work and families and trying to figure out to squeeze in this this other part of our life that most of us are looking for time for, which is uh, exercise. And so I find it like the double win um, where, for example, a lot of my girlfriends, this is where I see them, which is in my training. I know it's trickier with COVID, but could you take the initiative to either you know, do it at your place or create the plan at a park or somewhere that you can all meet two times a week or three times or whatever just works with people's schedules and make that the time that you connect with people. And funny enough, there's even a lot of people that I train with that I don't hang out with in regular life. And on some of the sort of deeper relationships, I think this is what connects us. It's that consistency every day. So I know a lot of us have been feeling isolated during COVID and this feels like an even more important time to create that community, to make the effort, to make the plan, to be the one. And I will say this, you know, it, it takes a little more work, you know, on, on whoever's part is kind of coordinating, but it's just worth it. Like the return is so worth it. So the minute we start getting into that narrative, like, why am I the one? Why do I always have to wrangle everybody? Just think that you're really doing it for yourself. And if you, if these are people that are important to you, it's an opportunity because at the end of the day, I feel like we never really get to spend time, enough time with the people that we really love. So if they live in close enough proximity and you can pull that off, um, it's a great win. And, and, um, listen, meeting to eat and things like that are nice, but they're, they take, they're time consuming, they're elaborate, you're coordinating yourself or your families where if you're training, it's like, Hey, we're in, we're out. If someone's having a bumpy day, you can spend, you know, five, 10 minutes going what's going on and connect there and be there for each other. So that is how we have created community. And it does, it does take that extra kind of organizing, but I will say that um, it's just, there's nothing like it. Someone asked about uh, finding purpose, finding your purpose. And 
I think we do this many times through our life. I think when we're younger, let's say maybe you get a, if you go to university or whatever, you get out of college or you get graduate high school or just that time in life. I think that's the is is difficult in a certain way because it's like uh, taking on the world and taking on being an adult. For me personally, I just followed the things that I was good at and created value. I think a lot of times people want to get into something and they want to get something right away back from it. And I, I think that's good too. I think it's good to go in and go like, hey, I'm worth this. My time is worth that. But a lot of times in the beginning of things, especially if you really are taking on something that is a passion or a dream or a quest, you almost have to create value and work under somebody or be mentored by many people and show up and sort of get that information because that's the investment into yourself. And so if I was a lot younger, like in my 20s, I would say if you can do it, because that means either you uh, have another job or you're living at home, if you can do that, get mentored, see the things that turn you on, look inside yourself, be honest with yourself. What are you naturally good at? And what do you like, but maybe you're not good at? Because I think that that's a real thing. And, And I think there can be purpose where we serve other people, so maybe it's not in our job, right? Maybe we, we volunteer or we, we find ways to add purpose that way. But then I also believe that there is, if we're trying to also create purpose in our work and do something that's purposeful for us, that's connected to our talents and gifts, you have to do a lot of uh, groundwork. You got to lay down groundwork. You got to be willing to schlep and start at the bottom and and look at it as an investment into yourself, thinking it's going to land at your front door and it's all going to make itself known. It's, I don't see typically how that happens. Now, there will be people who have a calling. Maybe they're artistic or um, they just have a certain something inside of them and talent and skill that they've always sort of had. Um, but typically, most of us, I think we sort of, if we know who we are and we sort of go, hey, this it really interests me. Um, find the mentors in that space and start creating value. And when you can do that, and especially now, I hate to say it, but I think if you're a person who can work hard now and show up, I think you're going to kick ass because I think a lot of younger generations are distracted and it hasn't been beat into them yet that, you know, you just have to show up and, and sort of suffer through it. But I do still think that's part of it. I do think grinding it out, being willing to start at the bottom when you don't kind of get the um, get that return yet is a part of finding uh, our real purpose. But check in with yourself. You know, the other important thing is like to tune out everything that you've been conditioned, tune out what your parents have expected of you or your teachers or your church or whoever, and really ask yourself, who am I? Because I don't know that there's, I don't know anyone who arrives at their greater purpose than if they're connected with themselves. And so how do we, we can love our friends and family, but how do we not let them dictate to us what we're doing, where, how we're spending our time, how, what job we're, we're taking and, or how we define success. And that, and I, I think that those are connected. I think defining what success means to you personally and not what your environment has taught you. And um, that's hard to do sometimes. It's uncomfortable and it is scary. I think um, it's sort of like being an entrepreneur. I think when people really follow their own heart and look for their purpose, 
I think it's a it's a it's a tougher route for different reasons, but I I think it's so rewarding and uh, rich and and um, and certainly I go through it now. I've been I've been doing this a long time and many days, maybe more days than not. I'm I always wonder if it's going to work out. <laughs> maybe that's part of what keeps driving me is feeling unsure and open minded and learning, but just sure enough to keep trying. I think that confidence to be like. I got my ass kicked and I'm going to stand up or I can do this. I think that that's a a really powerful resource. So, and also give yourself a break. I think finding purpose in this transition of COVID, pre-COVID, after COVID, during COVID, I think it's just a little harder. So if you're at that age and you're, you're transitioning, I also think exercising, not making excuses, but exercising a little bit of grace for yourself because it's um, especially unusual to even know what to do right now, you know? But life is short, and I think if we don't find the way to follow our own path and contribute our uniqueness to this world that we live in, I don't know, I just think that's part of what we're doing here. Someone asked me about trade-off. You know, we all trade-off, right, something. If we decide to have a family or um, pursue a career or just there's always trade-offs in life. You can't, you know, I always love the conversation of, like, can you have it all? And I, I... I don't know what that means. I don't know what all means. I think we can have all whatever the things that we want to pursue. I don't think we can have it all at the same time. I think that's something, a really important thing. And we tell little kids that. We never say, hey, you can have all the desserts. You can have every flavor of ice cream. No, we say, like, pick one. So there's times in life where I, I've i understood, like, when I my children were very young, it was... I was choosing that. I was choosing to be there for them when they were babies and, you know, taking care of them and nursing them. That was my choice. But certainly I sacrificed certain, the trade-off was, okay, my career, even certain elements in the marriage maybe are impacted when you're, when you have very young children. I have chosen to be a wife to Laird and, and support Laird at times when things were happening well for him because it also made sense. You know, like when things were kind of going, you know, more successfully for him, that was a good time to go, hey, I can hold down the Ford. And and um, and so I, it's all these trade-offs, but I, I think it's important or it's always been important to me that I have understood that these were my choices and that when I was feeling scared or shuffled around or lost in the mix, that I, I understood what my choices were, right? Like that I understood that I wanted to be there for my kids or that I understood I was committed in this relationship and that um, this was the way that I wanted to show up. And quite frankly, now that my, my kids are older, I have more opportunity to spend in my work and and on myself. Um, but I wouldn't trade the other. It doesn't mean it's not hard. Of course it's hard. It's, it's insane. You know, it's, it's, uh, I think the amount that we ask of ourselves in this world that we live in, I, I don't know that we were really set up to do this. I think we were meant to kind of wake up with the sun and work and figure out how to eat and be sheltered. And then when the sun went down, we were probably meant to get to bed and we, we probably weren't flying around on airplanes and doing a million things. And so I think within this is also this understanding of we're kind of always bucking the way we live is it's not that it's unreasonable, 
it's just a lot. It's a lot to ask of ourselves. And if you throw kids into that and be like, oh, and they're all going to be in two and three, you know, activities, and then um, I'm going to be on my phone and I'm going to be in this relationship. Um, I think life is more complicated than it's supposed to be. So in the trade-off part, as I add things into that dynamic where I'm trading them off, I'm also trying to figure out how to simplify because I have found that the thing that really makes me feel good is when things are pretty simple. I don't like when there's too much crashing down on me if I can help it. And the times that it's just happening because that's what's happening, then you just, you know, you put your big girl pants on or big boy pants on and you go, yeah, okay, I'm lucky. There's so much going on and I'm going to figure out how to navigate it. And and back, that comes back to being taking care of myself. That comes back to being able to exercise enough and eat well enough so that I can make good decisions. And uh, like I was talking to Dr. Perlmutter, that the uh, you know prefrontal cortex, the, the adult is making the decisions, and that's a big one, and not the amygdala. The six-year-old isn't making the decisions. Um, so I think I work on that a lot too. So it's, it's sort of seeing that these are my choices. What is my strategy in the trade-off? Understanding that it's not forever. You know, your kids are not babies forever. You're not starting out in a job for the, you know, where you have to do really long hours in the beginning forever. And it's sort of being present and then kind of looking at the big picture so you get that perspective. I think that that is helpful, but everything is a trade off in life. And even if it's to be like, hey, I don't want to be in a relationship and I don't want to have a family, there's a trade off with that. And it's most importantly, it's like that you're trading off in the things that you believe in that reflect who you are and that you really want. And then, and then try not too much to complain about it. Maybe just to that one friend, like, oh, I'm having a tough day. That does help for sure. <laughs> I get asked a lot about aging, a lot. And I don't know always how I feel about aging. It's just that it seems like it's a pretty natural thing. And to fight it seems pretty futile. So maybe let's start there. I try not to fight it. I try to understand that it's, it's going to happen to everybody. And um, can I feel as good as possible? Can I have um, a curious mind? Can I, uh, when I want to torture myself and look in the mirror and start criticizing myself physically, can I step away from that? Can I be reminded of all the things that I'm grateful for? Because it's easy, right? Like, it's almost like a luxury. If I can sit here and, you know, go like all those fine lines and on my neck and, okay, it's like, I probably don't have some really bad stuff happening. And so... With aging, it is a wonder, like you, you know, you hear stories about people looking in the mirror and thinking, oh, well, I don't identify as that person. I, I think I experienced that a little bit. I feel sort of perpetually kind of, you know, 30, 25, but most importantly, I'm just trying to enjoy it. I'm trying to, to take care of myself. I'm trying to accept things. There's changes, but also not be defined by that. And that's the other side of it. Is there certain things, because I'm my age, I don't just go, well, you know, that's just because I'm that age. I don't, I don't lay down to it either, right? So it's not about fighting it, but it's also not being like defined by what you can or can't do because of a certain numer- you know, chronological age, how long you've been here. I think a lot of people will say, oh, well, you know, I'm 40 now, so I don't do this. I'm 50 now, so I don't do that. And maybe when it comes to like running, that makes sense because the amount of miles you put on your body, but there's just so much you can do for forever that I don't want to hear that excuse. And I don't want to be around people that talk like that. I I think that with aging, that's a big one is how do we surround ourselves with people that it's like, well, what, what is possible or what's fun or what, 
what do you want to try versus, oh, that's going to be hard, or why would you want to do that, or I feel like this. And I don't think you want to do that at any time in your life. So when it comes to aging, I don't have any particular secrets. I have a lot of momentum on my side from years and years of trying to have good habits. And having said that, if someone's new to that, you absolutely can make changes and be, you know, sort of renewed. Um, and, and so it's, it's sort of really not ever giving up, but it's also some acceptance. I had a neighbor named Joe. Joe was in his 80s. And his wife had Alzheimer's and he was taking care of her. And one day I drove by Joe and I uh, was with my kids and uh, we're, and he's a lovely man. And I said, Joe, how, you know, like, how's it going today? And he was like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. And, you know, this guy had a, like his plate full. He was taking care of his wife and sometimes she didn't remember him. And it was a lot. And he was, you know, older himself. And then he looked at me and he said, you know, I, I just think acceptance is a big part of life. And so how do we within it fight for not being defined by our physical selves or the world that we, you know, not allowing the world to define who we are, like us defining that for ourselves every day, no matter who you are, no matter what age you are, what gender that you define for yourself, who you are and how you're showing up. And then simultaneously kind of having a, a realistic connection with, oh, and this too is probably pretty natural. And I'm a big believer in um, like you can't, if there's things you can't fight like time, I don't want to spend a lot of time. I don't want to spend a ton of energy doing that. That seems counterproductive. And it, and it, it's sort of like places that you, you could put that energy somewhere else, like taking care of yourself or enjoying yourself or learning or connecting with someone you love or seeing something you haven't seen. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, it is though. It is. It's kind of a trippy adventure aging for sure. Um, And I don't think you think about it when you're younger and you think you'll be the one person who can avoid it. And then you find yourself kind of like, oh yeah, (laughs) I'm one of those getting older people. It's fucking great. You know, this is where I, I go actually, if I could be honest to my male side of my personality, which is like, it is what it is. And, um, hopefully I use my experience and anything I've learned to, um, be additional value beyond, my appearance, because we all know um, that's highly limiting. So I I abandoned that currency (laughs) on some level, but health, like if you're healthy and you feel good, I don't care what age you are, just say thank you. Someone asked me about um, some of my best habits. I go to bed early and not as early as Laird, but I I do get to bed early and I do get up early. And it's now, it's such a part of my life that, um, it's just the way my clock is set up. If you don't have that luxury, like maybe you have to work later or whatever, you're just, you're, you're having fun. <laughs> I think if you can more often than not get to bed early, I think that's probably pretty good. I generally try not to start my day, at least coming from a level perspective. And what I mean by that is I don't wake up in the morning. Like I'm so excited to take on the day. I'm just not I'm not that person. I'm actually pretty serious and I, I fight that. If you ask me, one of the things I'm fighting about myself is the tendency to be pretty serious and pretty isolated. I grew up as an only child and it's a very comfortable place for me. In fact, I could hide in my work and be, in air quotes, productive. And um, that also too would be the death of me. So that's something I fight. So when I wake up, I do have a habit of, before I put my feet on the floor, just... Um, 
trying to get myself into the headspace of who I'm trying to be. So even if I force it, I'm totally admitting I I won't start my day that way because I feel like it's a train that you set in a track. And if I do that, it's just going to, that's where I'm going. And so I've just tried to take the track, the train and set it where I really would like to go, which is, you know, relatively peaceful or, you know, kind of more towards the skewed towards feeling happy, trying to be someone that if you saw me, you wouldn't be like, ugh, you know, <laughs> somebody that you feel like she's, she, she enhances my life or my day in some way. So that is a, a habit I think is very good. Um, I also leave my room, my, when I leave for start the day, I don't leave. Um, and, and this isn't for everyone, but I don't leave like unorganized, like my hair is brushed. I'm, I'm like dressed. I'm, I'm sort of in a uniform to take the day on. Like I'm like ready to go in that way. You Like I won't come with like, you know, baggy pajamas and like I'm all over the place. Now, if I lived alone, I might do that, but I don't. So I sort of put on my uniform, which is like, even if I'm going to wear very, like if I have any makeup on, it's on, my teeth are brushed. I moisturize my skin. My outfit probably is, you know, like makes, it's like just organized because sometimes if I'm not feeling that way inside, (laughs) at least I'm putting on this uniform that's helping me get there. Because again, I don't fly out of bed every day like, yeah, I'm ready to kick ass or or just be full of cheer. I'm not. So I, I do the things that support that spirit or that attitude that don't come to me as naturally. And that's a good habit. Um, I take my vitamins. I think that's a pretty good habit. I take a lot of iron because weirdly I'm anemic. Um, I take quercetin and vitamin C and zinc. I take truniagen for the NAD. Um, I'll take a multivitamin. And, um, and some others, I'll cycle them in and out. I think I, I mean, training, obviously, I mean, this is, I'm stating the obvious, obviously training is one of my good habits that, um, I try to get it done in the morning because otherwise my day will eat up my training window because you know how that is. Like you get the list and it stacks up and all of a sudden before you know it, your, your day shot. So I do do my training early in the morning. I get that done. That's a good habit. And I have a tendency to, just move through my day as succinctly as possible without wasting too much time. I I think I do an okay job of that. I think I used to do an even better job of that. Quite frankly, I think the telephone and the amount of stuff coming at me has made me, there are moments where I feel like almost, I don't want to say paralyzed, but you're just like, oh, one more email I can answer and be distracted by. And now I'm feeling stressed. So maybe I should go on Instagram and look at a picture. So I think I'm really trying to stay on my time leaks um, because I think that that can really, that can start to really seep into your ability to be productive. And I, I don't think it's something that's that obvious. And I think it's not dangerous, but it's just, you realize like it can get you and you can, I call it circling the bowl where you're just kind of going round and round and round. So I'm pretty good about not having too many time leaks. Um, one of the things I do, I don't know if it's a good habit or not, but it helps me is I have a calendar beyond my phone calendar. I've I write every single thing down in a book. So I have that in front of me. And so even if something pops up, I write ideas down or things so that I don't feel like I have all these things, open-ended things circling around me all the time because I think that can make you feel overwhelming. So I get to bed early. I do my best to be hydrated. I fail miserably all the time. I generally eat pretty well. If I'm stressed or tense, I will see that my impulse will be to grab some kind of food to self-medicate 
So I try not to do that or I try to have a healthy something for those moments because it's just natural that you do that. I try to set myself on course that I can't, where I can't naturally get there. And then I, I also like try to have peaceful relationships. I know it sounds so trivial, but I, I try to be pretty nice to the people in my life and have peace. And, and, um, if think I don't let things pile up, if something needs to get worked out, uh, or if there's a conflict that needs to happen, I, I really try to do that. Um, with people, um, as silly as it sounds, I really try to tend to my relationship on a regular basis. And so people can think that's a habit, but it, it probably is. And finally, I would say one of the other good habits I have is, um, I try to be responsive. I think if people reach out to me or send me communication, I try really my best to be responsive. Even if it's like, hey, I can't talk to you for a week or the answer is no, I try to at least be responsive. It's something I value in people and um, seems to be helpful. You know, it's, it's almost feels, I mean, it almost feels like doing what you say you're going to do. And I know that's unfair because a lot of times, sometimes the communications are unsolicited, but I, I do try to, to do that. A lot of times people go, okay, now that I'm not competing or playing in sports, you know, how do I feel satisfied? I think something I've learned is not to identify with any of it, right? You've heard me talk about age earlier and people are in business, they have job titles. And then when I played volleyball, I was a volleyball player. I really try my best not to identify with any of these things because they're so temporary. So how do I find the value or, you know, the, the question was like, feed my soul. I don't know that I talk like that, but let's just say for, for purposes um, of communication is, is feeling still and kind of satisfied within myself. And I know that is like, you know, I'm sitting on top of a mountain meditating. It's not the case. That's not what I mean. I guess what I mean is that, can I be okay with just me and who I am as a person, not with the title, not with, you know, I'm someone's mom or someone, I'm a CEO or I'm an athlete. I'm just a person who's going through life and experiencing life. But what does excite me is this idea of continuing to learn and change and grow as this person and maybe even get it better, right? So if I think about myself now versus how I was in my 20s, there's certain ways I respond I probably do it a little better because I've learned a few lessons. Um, certainly as a parent, I have learned some lessons that I can experiment. I always joke that my youngest daughter gets the benefit of some of the really valuable lessons I especially learned with my middle that um, I couldn't know before the experiences. And now that I have a sense of understanding of believing that maybe certain things like not reacting as much, listening more, and kind of weirdly not trying to control the situation as much, We'll have a better outcome. So what feeds me is this idea of, could I do it better today? Could I be, could I show up as a better person? Could I be smarter in my business? Could I be um, efficient and, and sort of systematic about my training? Could I be at times more playful? That's a hard one for me. So it's, it's just having, using those experiences to like react a lot less make moves that always are oriented towards solutions, not reactions. So when somebody says, what, what feeds your soul? (laughs) It's first, it's that, right? It's me connecting with myself and being like, wherever I am, whatever age I am, whatever title I have or don't have, that is my value is, is just being me 
And then it branches out from there, right? It's being connected to my friends and to my husband and to my children as as much as they'll let me at this time. And being connected to nature on some level and and um, and being connected to myself, really like hearing my own voice and, and trying to honor that. Because it does, it gets hard. Everyone else's voice and their needs and it's every, you know, there's a lot of it. And so how do I stay strong in that? And that is, uh, that has, that has really, really, helped me a ton. So something else someone uh, put, uh, one of the question was, you know, being a high performer. I don't know what that means exactly. I have a sense, um, especially when you talk about training. I don't know. I think being a high performer is just being an eternal student. You have to have fundamentals in everything. And, you know, it's like we tell our kids, they have to tell the truth. You know, you're enough to work hard. Um, So there's obviously some fundamentals to being a high performer. But I I think pretending or feeling like you know very little, because that's probably true. I know it's true for me. And having this open mind, it feels like the best chance of showing up and being able to continue to perform at a higher new level. I heard a really important quote that I've been thinking a lot about for a few, maybe four to six weeks. Mark Cuban said that his father said, "You, you don't live in the world that you're born into. And I'm really contending with that because I think when you're younger, you sort of are still living in the world that you're born into. And now you get to my age and you really are not. And so being a high performer, what worked for me 10 years, 20 years ago, um, I have to forget all that and be in the world that I am in now. So I think that's really important. And a great example of that, maybe you've heard me talk about Laird had a friend, Don Wildman. And up until he was in his 80s and he passed away, he was a high performer. And I think I attribute that to, he just kept his mind open to like what's out there now. And so I, I think without bouncing all over the place and abandoning ideas, I know that are important fundamentals, this feels really important because... I think you can actually get into trouble when you are a high performer and you, or you've had a level of success you think you know, and then, uh, and then the world moves and you're still in the delusion that you know, but you don't know. And so uh, the other thing I would say is keeping my staying connected to young, young, some people younger than me and learning from them and being curious and asking questions and not resisting against things. I think that that is a very helpful way to stay connected to whatever is new and happening in any facet, in training, in food, you know, what jobs are out there, what, uh, what technology is doing. You know, I have a thing about technology, but at the end of the day, it is a very powerful tool. So I'm interested in trying to figure out ways to learn how to use it as a tool and not just a distraction, obviously. That's a constant. People ask me about, um, you know, being consistent and a commitment and creating those habits. What I would say to somebody, let's say they're struggling with this, and I know, again, I'm going to say it, and I've said it, that COVID really made a lot of this hard. We've been locked away. Who wouldn't want to drink more or eat more, you know, comforting foods? And then it's like, oh, you can't go to your gym or you can't go outside or just whatever the the barriers um, have been. It's just today. So if we're talking about building consistency and commitment, what do you want to commit to today? And write it down. So let's say it's it's drinking. Let's say you're using that to feel good, have fun, whatever the reasons are. But maybe you sort of want to transition out of that. I think it isn't about all at once changing our lives. I think it's about writing it down and then writing our why and 
all of the reasons that this is important to us. And, and I would say this, I feel like most consistency, most good habits and most commitments come from us to us. I think if I, if I had this um, commitment to something, maybe our children, but still ultimately, I still think it's the most powerful when it's between, it's a contract with us, between us, for us. You know, everyone outside of us is living their lives. And even though we're connected, we still have this relationship with ourselves. And so can we write our why down? Can, can we just get through today? Now, having said that, you know, this whole idea of, and Jim Quick said it, knowledge is power. Well, no knowledge and action. So everything has to have a plan and a strategy. I don't care who you are. So whether it's building consistency and commitment around exercise, around eating better, about staying out of relationships that we know are not serving us, regardless of how sexy that person is, or, you know, drugs and alcohol, what do we need to be successful? Because it's not enough just to say, I'm not going to eat that anymore, or I'm not going to see him anymore, or whatever. It's about saying, okay, and what's my strategy? What is my plan? What are my steps for that? So, so getting to your why, and then creating a plan. So for example, let's say, oh, I'm, well, I'm not, I don't want to drink. Okay, well, great. One of the plans would be, I'm not going to have it in the house. Okay, great. So you'd have to go out and get it. The other plan might be like, I feel wobbly. So maybe I'm going to go to a meeting or maybe I'm going to have somebody that I'm accountable to. If it's exercise, it's like, okay, I'm going to schedule it. I, I'm going to uh, maybe take a class or learn something in the you know physical activity space so that I know what to do. Because sometimes I think people don't even know what to do. So yeah, okay, I could say, hey, you can start with a walk. That's great. But if you really need, like you want to build out a plan, you have to know, you know what to do. And the food, the food is the same thing. If you don't want to eat it, I would say, and it's so fundamental, do not have it in the house. Because man, that one phone call or that one email or you're bored or you're feeling sad or lonely and it's right to it. So, I, I, and again, it's, it's not about everything all at once. It's baby steps. It's could I, if it, you know, obviously the drugs and alcohol is a little tricky. If we're sort of, this is something you want to stay out of, then it's got to be out. But with the exercise, it's like, listen, is it twice a week? If you haven't been doing anything, great. That's a great start. It doesn't have to be seven days, six days. If it's the food, it doesn't have to be like nothing that you enjoy ever. It's could I Monday through Friday written down, pre-write the meals that you think you'd like to eat, that you would eat, get some diversity in there. And then, okay, let's, you know, maybe you could have fun on the weekend. However, I will say this, if you're talking about trying to jump ahead and get in front of it, the tighter this plan can be, the quicker you'll get to places you want to be. Um, another thing that really helps me with this is you being a little snobby. Does this serve me? Does this food I'm about to shove in my mouth serve me and my goals? Does this time I'm spending on the couch versus taking a walk serve me and my goals? Does this relationship with this person that I'm willing to give to and enhance, you've got to participate to. Does it serve me? Am I growing? Am I learning? Am I inspired? Whatever the thing is, right? It doesn't have to be getting something. It just can be like, I laugh with them. Perfect. When people talk to me about this, this is a much more, it's very simple, but it's very in-depth in that you have to be clear about your why. You have to be specific about what you want. And then you have to be, you have to be thoughtful enough to create that plan. And I think that this is how most things get done in life. Action and plans, not words. And if you find yourself talking about it over and over, tell your friends and make them tell you to like, stop talking about it. And like, what do you want to do about it? I think that that's really important. Okay. 
diet on a small budget. This is a big one. This is one I'm passionate about because I think this is where most people are living and fighting. So I have learned this. If you can afford a frozen organic vegetable, it's better than not at all. And so what I want to say is this goes back to, first of all, the value that we place on this. So if you're a female and you get your nails done and you say, but I'm buying food on a budget or I drive a BMW or an Audi, I think it's first putting our health and that food is important. Food's not an afterthought. Food's not something we just throw down our throats and like we just keep going. I think when we shift also our relationship with food and the value of where it is in our spend categories, this is helpful. Now, having said that, eating healthier is more expensive, certainly in the short run, probably not in the long run, right? If we're healthier, we're not going to be dealing with certain things, medical things, hopefully, and such. We don't need a ton. If you're a vegetarian, you don't need any animal protein. You just need to make sure you're you know, eating, you know, you have your B12 and enough of the supplements that you need that are important, maybe some niacin and things like that, or iodine, trying to remember what other things I should know this. Um, But if you do eat animal protein, right, you're trying to eat the good stuff, it costs a ton. So one thing I would say is we don't need to eat that much animal protein. We just don't. And if we're only drinking water and if you have coffee or green tea, we're not spending extra money on all of the other drinks. If we're not snacking, that takes some cost out. I think when we eat the right types of food, we need a lot less because we're getting our macro micronutrients. We need minerals, things like that. So when people talk about eating on a budget, and I, and I know, again, it's even harder for a family It's really drilling down on the things that we want. So diverse vegetables, I would put at the top of the list. If you are eating animal protein, just eat less of it. We overeat that far too much. So I I think that's one way. And making sure we have enough, you know, fiber in in our diets, fruits and vegetables. And then for the time being, if you're serious about it, everything else kind of goes. So there's no snacks. There's no sugary drinks. There's not a ton of desserts. I know it's not fun. But I think it's achievable. I really do. And I also honor the fact that it takes more effort. It would take more preparation at home, which is hard. It takes more time. It doesn't taste as yummy because, you know, it's, it's real food. It's not food science and kind of being strategic. So when you go in the market, you have your list because, you know, then it's not open to like, oh, I'll have a little of this and I'll buy some of that. But it's like, you know, I'm here for these, pro- you know, for these items. These are my meals for the week. I'm planning ahead. And I think you can be highly rewarded with that. If you can't buy organic in the fresh produce, I would buy organic frozen. I, I, it is my understanding that that is um, a bet, the better way to go. But I actually want to do a podcast on this because I think this is super important, is trying to encourage people, help them figure out a way to do this on a smaller budget. Because I, I do not want to ignore the fact that it is harder. I really totally honor that. And somebody asked me that recently. They go like, what, what are like, what's your luxury? You know, like I'm going to be like in some hotel, like with a, by a pool side. It's like, no, I get to buy good food. And so I'm really, I'm really clear with um, the gift that that is, you know, some other comments were if you're like a younger person and you're looking for mentors, you don't have access to somebody. I think they're there. I think it's, it's really about, finding them and asking 
but being willing to work around them. You know, it's like asking for somebody to help and they might say, well, I can help you from uh, 6am to 8am. And you might be like, well, that's too early. So I think it's, it's also being willing to, to work around them and, and connecting with them and, and things like that. So fasting, I, I do fast occasionally. I'm at the age where apparently you shouldn't fast too much more than 12 to 14 hours too often, at least not right now. Uh, my understanding though is autophagy doesn't really even kick in till about 16 to 24 hours. So when people talk about fasting, I think it's a great thing to do. Certainly on a regular basis, is it you know one of the days of the week or a couple during the month? I think it, it's great. I think if we're eating pretty well during our week and we're getting to bed and our elimination is regular and all these things, I think then you're probably doing okay. But if fasting kind of can, I use fasting sometimes as a course correction. If I get off or if I'm like weirdly letting snacks slip into my regular day-to-day life or just weird foods that I don't normally eat, I will use a fast more times than not to do a reset, to like pull in the reins and be like, okay, we're back to it. So that is for me personally, that's how I use it. And for women, especially depending on their cycles and their ages, I think it's really important to get informed about the correct way to fast. I think for men, they have a different uh, set of rules because we're different. And so there's a ton of information out there about, about fasting. As far as hacks, I'm not really much of a hack person. I will say um, I do certain things the good old fashioned way as far as like hard work and consistency. But, you know, I do sauna, which is a, is a, is a great hack. Uh, I don't do it as often as, as I probably would like to, but that's, of course, because sometimes I put work in front of, of that, and that's something I'm going to be working on in, in 2022. So I will share with you what are the things I'm going to work on. I'm going to work on trying to have a little more fun. You know, Laird asked me about a month ago, I think this is one of the reasons I probably married Laird, is, I mean, like, what do you do for fun? And I was like, I have fun. And then I started really thinking about that question. I don't actually let myself have that much fun. I think because my whole life, I really kind of enjoy it. I have, you know, set it up that I get to work at a job that I enjoy. I, I really enjoy my, my partnership, my husband. I mean, you know, it's not like every day we're like, oh, this is perfect. I mean, believe me, I'm sure there's things that I, <laughs> Laird's like, you know, she's a million miles away and I, that is true. I'm, I live in my head quite a bit. And, you know, Laird is very passionate and present and loud. And there's days where I'm like, oh, so I'm not suggesting, but I, I'm with the person I want to be with. And so I think for me, I'm sort of so boring that I'm not looking for fun. Like I, I sort of enjoy really like the simple things. Having said that, that's still an excuse, right? So I'm going to be working on having more fun, doing things just because I'm not good at that. And I think I need a little bit more of that, like just because I'm always trying to be productive or whatever. It's such a kind of a bullshit thing to hide behind. So that was one of the things I actually talked about that for two days with him. I kept bringing it up. I was like, well, you know, and another thing like about the fun. And I realized it was like, oh, this really bugs you because it's probably so true. <laughs> and he knows how to have fun. And and by the way, he's an has an expert level at certain things that I'm like, yeah, I'd go have fun too if I was as good at, you know, that as you are. But I'm reminded rather than getting defensive that uh, I, that's one of the things I need to work on. I think I'm going to change my training quite a bit in 2022. I've been doing a lot of the same things for many years 
and I don't think it's serving me as well. So what does that mean? I will be incorporating a more rigorous stretching routine throughout my weeks. I hide in high intensity and banging iron and all that because not only because I'm good at it, but because I feel like I'm getting something done. That goes back to that whole productive thing. And I think what would serve me better right now is something a little slower. Someone I love that you should check out. It's different. This isn't stretching. Um, a couple people I love. I love Jill Miller. She has a program called um, Yoga Tune-Up. It has really nothing to do with yoga. And she's very, very smart. And I really like Knees Over Toes. I think there's something to this program that I really appreciate and really like. So I'll be doing more of that. Anyway, Knees Over Toes. So there's a curriculum. Joe Miller, Knees Over Toes. I'll be doing more of that. I'm going to slow it down because my go-to has been to hide behind the going hard. And something else for 2022 is, um, I know it sounds weird, but COVID has put a lot of weird herky-jerky, no flow into certain things. And I'm at a place now where I'm uh, willing to receive like the, the yeses and the flows. And so... It's sort of, it's like I was talking to my friend Jen. It'd be like me complaining that my garden is dry, but it has not rained in four years. And it's like, okay, well, no, no kidding. Everyone's garden is dry. And having said that, so it's perspective, right? Like I look at some of the landscape of my work and I'm like, wow, this has been hard. Like, okay, even Laird Superfood, we have our businesses up, you know, year over year, like 65%, but we're getting our ass kicked on Wall Street. And so sometimes I always feel like, the level of success that I want is like a fingertips away. And so I'm, I'm keeping perspective and understanding why things are the way they are. But also, simultaneously, I'm looking to allow more yes, more flow. Because I am a grindy, work hard person that feels like I have to deserve it, which is ridiculous because what does it, what do I deserve? I don't deserve anything. I would like to allow more of that. I think they call it grace. Because that's how I was raised, right? I was raised thinking I, I really didn't deserve it and I and I needed to really earn it and work for that. And I believe that. However, it has limited some things. So that is something I'm going to focus on in 2022 is just seeing if I will receive the grace and keep perspective, both. Like being like, yeah, okay, it's hard right now. That's part of the process for sure. And besides that, I don't want to get ahead of myself. If I can even do half of that, I would be pretty pretty thrilled with that because <laughs> old habits die hard, Lord knows. And, uh, and finally, it's like parenting. You know, I, I'm always concerned about parenting. I don't ever think um, and I'm doing any of it right. I'm not going to lie. People ask me all the time, like, well, how about raising girls? I'm like, I have no idea. What I do know is this. I try to show up. I try to be an example of somebody, somebody who's trying to tell the truth, somebody who's trying to listen, somebody who is working hard and taking care of themselves and not talking about the size of their butt or like all of that. Like I'm trying to be an example to them. And then simultaneously what I've had to learn that's super uncomfortable is they have their own journey and uh, they're not going to do it the way I would do it. And I see some of them and they have so many talents and skills and I'd be like, Oh, I'd be doing this, this, and this. And they're not going to do that. They're going to do something else. And so what seems to be working is reacting less, listening a ton Another trick I've learned is, especially when they're sharing, like my 13-year-old, she tells me stories or whatever on the rare occasion, I will say, can I ask a question? And I'll get a clear yes or no. 
this seems pretty, pretty good. If they have something going on, I don't try to solve their problems for them. I just be like, oh, I could see where that's challenging. Um, or what would you like to do about that? Or why do you think that happened? Um, and this is something I had to learn. I didn't, th- there are certain parents that do this naturally. I'm so impressed. That's not me. You know, I want to like, get in there and solve it or um, fix it. Or let me tell you from past experience, it's like, no, they're going to have to figure it out for themselves. And like Byron Katie, and I've talked about this before, says listening. And also, how can you make your, yourself be a version of happiness? Nobody's happy all the time. So they know what it looks like. And if we're sitting here talking about our how we look, then we shouldn't be surprised that our teenagers are going to do the same thing. So be heads up. So they will be have the outside influence. They will have TikTok and all this other, you know, psychoticness. But when they come home, if they have somebody who's like of love and working hard and seems to appreciate themselves, I, I think that that will impact them. Um, a book I read was Setting the Bar. This would be if you have a kind of younger children. If you have very young children, there's a great book called, I believe it's called um, Hold On to Your Children As Long As You Can. And then finally, I read a book by Will Smith, his his book, Will. And I have to tell you, it was um, it's a really beautiful book. So if you have time and you want to get the audio, it's really fun. He's listening to it. I would suggest it because it's not because it's him or he's so highly you know, successful and he's very clearly very smart. It's just a really honest story. And I think a lot of people could relate to it. And it is fun. You know, he's funny and fun and he's had a really interesting life. And But he gets in there and I really appreciated it. So I, uh, I think I covered some of the questions. I never know exactly what to do. Listen, I don't think it's magic. I think all the answers, we know what they are. It's just what formula do we need to create for ourselves to move in the direction that we think we want to go into because it's different for everybody. And I think that that's so important. I think it's who am I? So for example, if I'm trying to be healthy and eat better, what foods do I even like? What am I willing to do? Why does that feel important? Okay. I need to move my body more. Great. What does that look like for me? What would I show up for on a regular basis? These are the questions that we need to ask ourselves because the information's all out there. There's a gazillion experts a million of them. It's us drilling down on that first and then putting that plan into action. And is life perfect? No. And that, you know, our devices have us thinking that it is for these other people. Every house has crazy shit going on and inconveniences. And I think that is life. The older I get, I, I can honestly say that when stuff's bumpy, I'm like, oh yeah, this is part of the day. This is part of what's happening or my kids are going through a hard time. The other thing I, I would also kind of throw out there is if you have a teenager going through a really hard time, because it is a hard time, can you imagine trying to grow up in this time, is it's really important then for us to step up parenting. I think the nature is because it's so scary, um, and I talked to some friends of mine about this, is to farm that out to somebody more qualified than you. And I think that there's something to be said for working on it with them together because it's us too that has our own trip that we need to keep working on. And by the way, there's something really powerful for your kids when they see their parent going, oh, okay, I'll, I'll work at it too. Not like, okay, we'll get dropped off and fix the kid and then I'll bring them home. So don't farm it out too much. I'm not saying don't ask for help for tools, but be a part of that process. That I think accelerates healing and, and, and it's scary. So if you are in anything where your kid's going through a really hard time, it is scary. And what are the tools we need 
And don't just believe every expert that you hear, really, who are you and who's your kid and what's going to be right for them. That seems really important to me and worth it. And there might even be times you feel completely upside down, especially as your kids get older, right? They go through bigger things and it's okay to feel upside down. I have felt very upside down many times. Just slowly be looking for the answers because people will show up that you need, but don't just go with the first person and, you know, believe everything they say and they're going to bully you or think they're the expert and be like, oh, okay, well, if you're not going to do that for your kid, it's like, be careful of that too. So you're their parent, whether you know or not, still be their parent and the help will will definitely show up. I'm definitely interested in, in sort of diving deeper at some point into kind of helping fortify our young people and their mental health because it definitely is a real thing that keeps really showing up, um, I'm sure, at all of our doorsteps about their anxiety levels and their stress. And we all know what it is, but it's like, okay, what are we going to do about it? And that's sort of where I'm at. I'm hoping that we start to put systems in place to, to protect them because they need it. It's very confusing. I think that's it. I don't, you know, a lot of people ask me about COVID and, you know, people fighting about the treatments and this and that. I'm not going to get into any of that because that is a no-win conversation. All I can say is it is so important to do what makes each person feel comfortable and for each of us to respect that. And there's enough science and data out there to show that um, it's all kind of unknown. So I think it's, you know, we're all sort of fighting versus being together and respecting each other and loving each other. I think we have to do more of that. I think we're so distracted by battling each other that we we've lost sight of that we're sort of all in this together and it's so important for us to stay connected so anyway i'm not sure what the podcast will be next week and who it will be but i want to wish all of you a happy new year and i know that there are challenges and i know that it's hard to to deal with it sometimes but if i could say that it's important to keep trying and it seems essential not to do it everything alone, but it also really starts with us and doing it for ourselves. And if someone's feeling down and out right now, it doesn't have to be, it's not permanent. And I think sometimes the hard part about feeling anxious or depressed is that you think it's forever. And I just want to say that it doesn't have to be forever, that there's answers. It's just we have to keep moving forward so that we can find them. And I love the expression of, you know, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. I think that when we feel ready, the right people show up. Thanks so much for listening. And if you'd like, rate, subscribe, and leave us a review. If you want to see some of the behind the scenes action, just follow me at Gabby Reese. And remember, don't miss new episodes every Monday. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.